Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This is part two of the Dr. Valentina Zarkova um, podcast that Sean Hackett and I did with her. And basically this podcast picks up right where Sean left off asking a question. So I hope you guys enjoyed this second part as much as I did uh, and, and get as much out of it as I did too. So Sean and I will do a brief rundown of what this episode looks like. And with that, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the second part of the Dr. Zarkova interview with Sean Hackett myself. And we have, uh, part two is, I don't know, Sean, what's the best way to put it? I think Dr. Zarkova really kind of steps back and says, okay, so this is what happens during a grand solar minimum. Here's what we saw happen during solar minimums, like the Mulder minimum and the Dalton minimum and how those things work together. And then she kind of starts doing some comparison to, to how those started out and to what we're starting to see now as we roll into this um, sun cycle 25, 26, 27, and what those look like. Yeah, I mean, she's taking what we what we learned in part one, which is, you know, the sun, why it does what it does, and she's taking it now into a historical context of now that we understand why the sun's doing what it's doing, and now that we understand that we're in one of these grand solar cycle minimums, what can history teach us about what those impacts will be going forward in terms of weather, um, you know, on the earth and how that will impact? We even talk about food production, she talks about. Um, yeah. What kind of weather can we be expecting? And she really goes over, you know, the wander, the uh, the Dalton minimum, and some of the characteristics behind it, and and kind of lays a foundation uh, with some of these mathematics she talks about about what this particular grand solar cycle will look like. Not everyone's exactly the same, but she lays out a pretty good case for what we should expect over the next, you know, thirty to forty years. So it's a, uh, it's more of a of a now that we know what it's doing, what does it mean to us? What does it mean to humanity? So. Right. And the, the overall effects of that are going to be um, kind of what that looks like. And she lays a really good picture out of that as well. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you have not listened to part one yet, please go back and listen to that first before you listen to part two. It's going to make a lot more sense as to uh, as to what part two is and, and how we got to where we're at. So, Sean, looking forward to part two like I did part one. So hope you enjoyed as much as I do. I can't wait. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was an absolutely you know, riveting uh, interview and uh uh, you know, I'm looking forward to hopefully talking to her again. So, yeah, right on. Also, check out my YouTube channel, and I'll have the actual video up from part one and part two as a whole, just one whole big video um, where she has plenty of uh, visual aids there, charts, and those kind of things that really lay out well, like 
how all this stuff works together. So make sure you check that out. So Sean, uh, look forward to it. And we'll talk to you again next time, man. Sounds good, Casey. Thanks. In did you take, were you, did you take this data and go further backwards to see if it's still verified? Uh, uh, backwards? Yes, I will do. Let me finish. Oh, how okay. It, how it produced the right hand side. Okay. The, the right hand side. <laughs> so for 9B, and we didn't have the right hand side predicted data. So what we found that the the amplitude of these waves keep producing. Yeah. But we wanted to know this data. And normally there are a few ways you can use artificial intelligence, train neutral neural network and produce data on the right-hand side. You can use spec, um, support vector analysis or some others. This artificial intelligence method, you can produce numbers, but it doesn't give you much um, power to predict. So what we did, we were lucky. we done this work 2010. We are preparing publication at the same time, 2009, Schmidt and Lipton, they published their paper in 2009 about symbolic regression using Hamiltonian approach. This is very smart um, kind of artificial intelligence, how they try to extract analytical expressions from given curves. So, so you basically, you, you took some very, very smart math, math mathematics yeah. Yeah. and applied it to what you learned yeah. to be able to project outward what the solar cycle might look like. Yeah, well, what we managed to discover that if we use the principal component, we can derive mathematical formula shown in here, F1 and F2 for each of the component, presenting series of five cosines, product of cosines, basically. It reproduces these two curves so nicely. I will show you in this, hold a sec. I use that same formula to figure out combine values. So, it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're saying is that equation was able to mimic what what the, what what it was able to? F I see. The mm -hmm. oh, okay. So you're using that formula to to, 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 to get to your match written, to match so your lines there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, basically, we produced these um, five. Um, cosine product of cosines and yeah. here with the straight line this is what we produce from formula okay and with the dashed line this is what we discover straight from the magnetic field because while we were doing this were about six or seven years um, the sun keep producing activity so we can now compare test our formula on the real solar data and we discovered this is accuracy accuracy about and the uh, oval shows you where we where we are when we publish the paper. Yeah. So this the is so the solid line is what you what your mathematical equation predicted. What the dot, dotted line is is what you is actually observe. Is, is actual. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. And you okay. see the accuracy pretty high. When we counted, it's about mm -hmm. when you count the pixels, about ninety seven percent. Wow. Yeah. We, we produce this curve uh, on the right hand side, and now we produce it from simple calculation. So we wow. didn't have artificial intelligence. We have formula. Yeah. And I'll give the formula eventually to people to use it because it's perfect and everyone can use it. But what it does, we calculated in the first paper this formula forward three cycles. And what we discovered in cycle 26, you will have minimum 
because your waves by default become in antiphase. Yeah. So it will be destructive interference because one wave goes to one hemisphere, another goes to another hemisphere. So this what uh, was so and um, so what you're saying in 2030, just based you now. I'm just trying to comprehend your your lines here. Yes, there's going to be there's going to yeah, be a greater minimum, like more of a, a grand solar minimum of, of that's going to have a bigger impact on on the climate in 26 and in 25. Is that am I understanding that correctly? Well, at that time we didn't know whether it will be. Um, effect on climate we just wanted to understand what we got so gotcha. what we decided to look at we if you look at these curves we thought oh two curves is too many no one would predict solar activity with two curves so we we needed to come back to that um to the net. Yeah. yeah to that curve the bottom yeah. gotcha. we added these two components and we got the summary curve you see yeah. this one yep. the bottom yep and it shows, indeed, the amplitude is decreasing. But what is amplitude meaning? So in order to understand what this amplitude means, we compared the modulus summary curve. So we thought we reflected the old southern polarity magnetic field back to the north and built kind of modulus summary curve. And on the top plot, the black is our modulus summary curve, uh -huh. and the red oscillation, this is the... Average sunspot number index, which we took straight from the from from, from the table. Yeah, and gotcha. it shows that voila, our actually summary curve reflects the solar activity. It's a very good solar activity index. And mm -hmm. if you put this now, uh, the solar modulus summary curve to cycle twenty five and twenty six, you see that the cycle twenty six average sunspot number will be much lower, 60% lower than the cycle 24. Mm. So this is what, again, at that time we thought, oh, maybe this is only cycle 26, how the sun behaved before. But now we have a huge advantage because we have a formula. Yeah. If you <laughs> have a formula, you can calculate the summary curve for 2,000 years. And this is what we did. We did in 2015, this is the data we used, and this is the blue, is the summary curve which we calculated until 3,200 and backwards to 1,000. So, so this blue line is your summary equation? Yeah, that's your actual yeah, math problem. This is my summary curve. Okay, gotcha. Okay. formula. It's a formula, right. Yeah. 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 And yeah. what we found that, first of all, we found that this minimum, there is a grand solar cycle. Definitely we see that cycle in addition to 11 year cycle we have another cycle about 350 400 years which repeats itself in every 350 400 years gotcha. and this is called normally when you interfere waves it's called beating effect so two waves if they have more or less close frequencies but not equal they start producing this big um, over uh, like overlapping curve if you know beating effect more frequently you have when someone comes to tune your piano the guy has a fork and your piano is not tuned for example to the right note so he put fork sound 
and put your piano sound, the stream. And then he hears beats, two, three, whatever. And from the number of beats, he knows how much he needs to put the tension of the stream to remove this beating effect and make frequency equal to that one in the fork. So it's following a harmonics. Harmonics. Uh, yeah. 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 Basically, yeah. it follows straightforward theory of the waves. The only thing that we don't have engineer who can uh, tune the sun. So right. this one produces <laughs> this beating effect. Right. Yeah. Beating effect itself. But probably sun even doesn't know what is producing because it works tirelessly producing those waves with the regular heartbeat. So looking, so, so looking at your summary, uh, form, summary curve uh, yeah. and, and the 350 to 400 year harmonic behavior, yeah. it is suggesting that we are moving into a grand solar yeah, based we, upon that cycle. We just entered the grand solar minimum. We just we entered into lucky. it. We will observe it from the first seat, front seat. Front seat. Yeah, and, we can avoid it. it and, is, based, and based upon the other chart, it's really going to kick in uh, like late 2020s into the early 2030s. That's when it's really going to kick in. Yeah, and until early 40s. And so, early 40s, right. Like that's going to be the heart of it. That'll be the yeah, heart we'll of the Grand Solar. Yeah, it's right. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And what well, can we, like, I guess, so while we're on that topic, I mean, what, what are we expecting then? Like what's, what, what, are we, what are we expecting to have happen during that time frame? Well, so, so if, we, if you're right about, let, let's say your summary equation curve is correct, which it looks like it is, what does that mean for our climate? What does that mean for growing food? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because we're involved in agriculture, you know, how does this impact the world's ability to grow stuff? Yeah. I'll skip these uh, theory explanations and bring you what the effect for, for the Earth. Okay. You go backwards. So we have example of Grand Solar Minimum, which happened 370 years ago during Mount Minimum. So you look at this um, solar radiance, it turned out during Grand Minimum, we have, it was a reduction of solar radiance by about 3 watt per square meters, if you see this left curve. And this led to the reduction of the terrestrial temperature to about uh, up to one degree. It is in the uh, think about in Europe and England, uh, they didn't do maps for others. But the other um, researchers, Shindel et al., they did surface temperature of Earth over the globe. They published in this science in 2001, and they shown that somehow during ground mount the minimum, the temperature was mostly reduced in northern Europe and northern um, America. Obviously, there were not many stations in the southern hemisphere, but at that time, there was deep freeze and many ri rivers. Rivers were, um, had ice, and ice scraped south from Arctic, and it was drop in temperature, and then it was drop in uh, ozone abundances. Why it is matter? It turned out that this is how the Earth's temperature or Earth's climate is affected. So we have these stable jet streams which run in from one part through the ocean or in the atmosphere to another. But when you get to the ground solar minimum, your magnetic field is strongly 
reduced, which means that your jet streamline becomes very wavy. Why does that happen? Why? Because less ozone will affect the atmospheric waves, the less radiation coming from the sun because sun activities drop first, and less magnetic field. Remember, magnetic field drops nearly to zero. Right. Which means that is nothing which can affect, which can cause the earth magnetic field to do. So there's no force which um, suppress earth magnetic field. So this is possibly what earth does to its own uh, planet if without the sun. So this, I don't know why, but what the guys said, they, they said that it is because of the ozone, it affects this line. Sure. Uh, it causes giant wiggles, jet streams, and this is what creates um, uh, this anomaly and re reduction of the temperature. This is what they said. It is not me. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, this is what we started observing now. We're observing now. It was snow last summer in Carpathian Mountains, observed Ukraine and Romania. It was early snow in Canada this year, September 20. In... Uh, Oman, Arabia, in the January this year, it was minus two degrees and snow in the Arabian part of the world, which never had snow, as far as we know, at least 150 years before. So this, um, again, was snow in, America, in the British Columbia, very big snowstorm in November. And if you know... Only yesterday, I found the snow in Africa desert on 8th December 2020. And this is the picture guy put on the picture. Mm -hmm. Snow in Africa. Do you, do you hear me? It is absurd, but mm -hmm. this is the fact. So, so from, from that one uh, chart, uh, what appears to be the, 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 the agricultural areas that would be most impacted by a deep minimum would be the North, North America, Europe... Yeah. And maybe northern Russia, like that would be the heart of what, uh, what areas would be most impacted, it, it would seem, it would seem. Yes, but at that time, there are not many data were available in the southern hemisphere. Yeah. This point, yeah. the, maybe it's not the real reflection, this is the lack of the data. Yes, yeah. right. northern was affected, but we had a lot of observatories covered it. Right. In, in yeah. Australia, South Africa... South America, we didn't have this, yeah, so we don't right. know what was it. There so was that, that, that so so the southern hemisphere is a little more of a of an open box, which we're not really sure what the impact yeah. is. Right. Yeah, but okay. definitely affecting northern, and maybe it will be affecting southern. Yeah. So this would why people very interested. But definitely, you're correct. This will lead if snow start mm -hmm. falling in the unusual places, which means that we will have cold winters and summers, we will have um, increase of volcanic and earthquake activities. Which is, that be is that because of the magnetic field? Uh, reduction. Reduction, yeah. gotcha. Yes. And volcanic activity, remember when we had volcano in uh, Greenland? Mm -hmm. All the flights were stopped because no one could fly. It was dark um, cloud and uh, basically it covers. So if you if you have clouds on the earth, it doesn't matter how active is sun, but with the clouds, the 
warmth from the sun will not come through to us. So if those clouds from the volcanic activity cover the earth, it will start cooling off, even doesn't matter what the sun does. So this would difficult times. And plus, um, of course, if we have this uh, snow coming to deserts, very warm places, it will come snows to uh, northern parts and will reduce the vegetation time. So each vegetable, each fruit, they need some particular time yeah. to get uh, enough honey. Yeah, the, the growing seasons are going to shorten, which will make it harder to grow food at the level that we've been accustomed to. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And this would, this would uh, I have to say, someone told me that very entrepreneurial Chinese people, they're buying land in Africa because yeah. they realize that Africa will be the only land yeah. which can grow things and they will make big businesses there. Yeah. yeah. But this is the thing. So this explains, so kind of back to what you're talking about with uh, <clears throat> the snows, the early snows and stuff like that. So here in Scotts Bluff, we had, we had snow. I'm pretty sure it was the Tuesday after Labor Day. I could be wrong on that, but it was within a week or so of, of that time frame. We had 102 degree day, 302 degree days ahead of that snowstorm. And then on a Tuesday, it dropped down to like 32 degrees and we had snow and we had some measurable snow actually and then three days later it was 85 90 degrees again so i mean is that the kind of 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 weather patterns obviously that we could expect with these just huge swings and what we see happening as far as when you start going in between seasons like between summer and spring and those kind of things yes exactly <clears throat> and uh, this uh Grand solar minimum are not uh, rare in the past. When you look backwards, it was wolf minimum, which mm -hmm. was somewhere between 1300 to 1280. Right. So, 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 so th is the red actual? Red is what people derived from uh, biomass of the uh, sea ice? Of trees. Oh, trees, tree analysis. Tree analysis. Yes, uh, the carbon. Uh, 14 and beryllium 10 analysis. This is what they... And the, and the, and the, and the blue is your... Is our summary curve. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. And Good chart. If you look backwards, we extended it to 10,000 before Christ. We hit even Homeric minimum in during the Roman Empire when they, for 30 years, they stopped the war because it was so cold during the Roman times. They... they, they um, Rangers could not fight. It was huh. minus 30 and they were freezing. So they stopped the war at that period. Yeah. So the, the, this is what it says. Obviously, it is nothing unique. The Earth came through this grand solar minimum million times, as far as I see. So yeah. just, I, want, I need clarification on something. So the blue line, that's your, that's your mathematic equation. That's your prediction. That's, that's your formula. The red line is... Carbon fourteen, you know, analysis of, of tree rings and those kind of things, and, and what you had. What yes. what what is the spike? Why is the spike so high after the modern minimum? Uh, what they were um, saying that it was um, again, it was their definition. How they derive? How they assign number of isotopes? Oh, okay. To the increased solar irradiance. <clears throat> Gotcha. Obviously, uh, it 
all this related to the uh, intensity of the background radiation of cosmic rays. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. So what is happening, maybe the background radiation in this case, I don't know why they increase so high. It is some increase in solar activity, but it's not, not as high as they showed. So there was some fluctuation in the background um, intensity of carbon-14 cosmic rays when they used. The similar problem comes with this bit of uh, curve. In here, we see we have mounder, we have after before mounder minimum and between wolf and mounder, it is a maximum, it is ground solar cycle in our curve. But in their curve, they have this minimum, which called spur minimum. And when you look whether it was the spur minimum, in reality, we look at the, first of all, at that time when it was spur minimum, this is when they have minimum and we don't have sunspots. But we use the sunspot visually observed by Chinese and they put pretty well into our curve apart from this particular um, location when it was spur um, minimum. So we look, what was Aurora Borealis doing during spur minimum? So this is the spur minimum and you see Aurora Borealis were highest at that time than ever before. This is the mound minimum and this is after it. It was this strong aurora borealis. It means that a lot of particles coming through. So obviously it was maximum of solar activity and not minimum. Moreover, if you look at the temperature of the Earth, they restored the temperature. So this is the spur minimum. Normally during the minimum, we know the temperature dropping down. In Mount the minimum, we had frozen rivers and everything. Mm -hmm. So if we had real minimum, Temperature of the Earth, shown with this dark red light, should be dropping here. But here, the temperature is increasing. You see that? Right, yeah. They, they publish it. They didn't even didn't bother to put together why the temperature is increasing. It is increasing. Increasing so while the uh, ice, the Arctic ice, is also increasing, while Antarctic ice is decreased. At that time... I mentioned that basically it is related that in 1280, somewhere here, it was a very strong explosion of supernova Vela Jr. at the latitude 55 degrees southern latitude. Because it was so deep south, it was not observed from the most of the Earth and the south um, of the Earth, we didn't have many people observers, most of them in the North, so they didn't see it. They only restored this um, supernova later on because they found the remnant. It's still radiating with the huge intensity, much higher than other. And this supernova distance was 600 light years from the Milky Way, which, to tell you the difference, if it was 500 mil um, light years, actually the solar system would cease to exist. It kills everything. The explosion of supernova produces such intensity of cosmic rays that it would kill everything which is alive and it wouldn't exist. This is why people observe novas and supernovas 
just to see. Uh, luckily, they're very far far away. This was the only one which was close, which means that it was emitting a lot of cosmic rays, and intensity of this radiation was so high uh, in the 13th, 14th centuries that the background was very high, and this is why when people calculated solar radiance in that time from the biomass, they used standard background, which is relevant to what we have now, and not the one which they should use in the 14th century when there was a supernova. So what you're saying is that, 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 that their methodology has some, some discrepancies because the cosmic ray flux, which is normally tied to the solar cycle, when you have supernovas, breaks down. And so, so, so there's, that, there's a discrepancy in, in how they calculate it using the biomass. No, cosmic rays coming not only from the solar, um, from the sun, but they also come in from galaxy from everywhere. Normally, the cosmic rays coming from the sun, they have much higher intensity, whatever comes from outside. In this particular case, in this few hundred years, yeah. 14, the intensity of cosmic rays coming from uh, the galaxies is higher than higher. the one which came from the sun. Ah, gotcha. Okay. This is the one. So that, distor that distorted it a little. That distorted the data. Yes, gotcha. this is distorted by about 200 years. Basically, whatever measures should be going to the mount the minimum, but uh, it's left in there. So it's exactly about 200 years. The guy who invented this method, Libby, he, he actually, in a few papers, he explored this. He didn't speak about this particular, but he warned about this um, caveat. Gotcha. deriving the age, so this is what. Gotcha. So basically, what it says that nothing out of usual with the ground solar minimum. If previous people survived, Romans survived, uh, medieval people survived, we, we can survive it. But it right. came very handy. We, we know the temperature has been increasing since Mount the Minimum. So maybe it will come handy, giving us time to recuperate and uh, decide why the temperature is increasing while it is start reducing, and we need to think how to. Uh, so, 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 is your expectation that we would drop a full degree, like what happened in the Maunder minimum? Is, is that a real realistic expectation? No, I didn't do calculations. No, but I'm saying though, it said it said that the monitor that the that the temperature dropped a degree. Is that what what that chart shows? Yeah, about one degree. If you look at that, where we are over here. So yeah, you, so if you look at that, but it could be somewhere between this and Dalton minimum half degree. So there were some. I believe it will be more like this one. Some people argue they will be more like that, half degrees. But uh -huh. uh, half degree, it is not little. It is average. It means that it will be fluctuating, some increase, some degrees. But yeah. if you get a little bit less heat, the temperature will be decreasing. And half degree maybe in Africa will be nice and uh, fresh. But half degree in the northern, it can be quite snowy and minus... So is that because okay? So when I'm when I hear someone like the whole global warming thing and and what you're talking about here that you know we're going to increase the temperature by by one degree or two degree or decrease one degree or two degrees or whatever it is, 
does that have to do with the fact of how the sun sets at 23 and a half degrees, or the sun, the earth sets at 23 and a third degrees or whatever it is on the axis, and the way that that, that energy hits is going to be greatly decreased in the north and, and, and more towards the equator, obviously, where it gets constant, constant direct hit, but is it because of the, the axis of the earth, is that why that's it's such a dramatic swing in the north and the south? No one knows. Uh, we will be learning in the next 30 years. This okay. is the first time we have a chance to look what is happening during ground solar minimum. But if you look, uh, currently the temperature is increased compared right. to ground solar minimum. So if it will be decreased by one degree, it basically comes back to this level zero. Right. So it will not be as bad as during Mount the minimum because already temperature is decreased by 1.4 degrees. So it will decrease. You see this ra ra mm -hmm. red thing increasing? Yeah. It will decrease towards here somewhere. So it will not be as bad as it was during Mount the Minimum, but still will be reduced temperature. So mm -hmm. it will be a bit cooler. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question, and it's the elephant in the room. I think most people listen to this. How come... It took Sean to call me in 2018 and, and explain this to me and for me to have to do a Google search on Grand Solar Minimum before I figured out what it was and that this is not, obviously, this is mathematical theory all combined into one thing to give you this, this data set and you're using all these different things. Why, why is it just such a hard-to-find thing? Why, why is this not something that's more openly s talked about on in, in the mainstream media? Um, there are a few things about it. First of all, from 1980, they put, or 90, they put forward this global warming and solar physicists said that, all right, solar activity is stochastic, forget about it. It gives you standard um, heating and this maximum what it gives. So they, they disregarded the sun and they don't want to get it back into the equation. So this is possibly one thing. And another thing is possibly some kind of misogynism. This, um, the people who do this prediction of solar activity mostly are male, and they feel offended that two of us who discovered this were female. And I know that <laughs> the guy, Mr. Soskin, he was uh, chasing uh, Elena Popova in Moscow very uh -huh. badly. And the, so this would probably another thing would uh, <laughs> put them out. I don't know. Yeah. I, I can't find the explanation. I thought it is you give the discovery to the world and they're happy. I'm happy to share even the formula. I didn't show the formula yet. I have all the coefficients. We wanted to get the full results, a few publications, and then we give it to the world. But I was ready to teach during the meeting, and they refused to, to get teaching. They say, we, we know everything. And they put, Mr. Soskin, after each paper we published, he put uh, objections. So he put objections after the paper we published in um, Scientific Report 2015, we needed to answer. Then we published paper in journal um, atmospheric and solar terrestrial physics, Popova, we included quadruple waves. He again put the nasty thing. We needed to write answer 
if you look at my website, you'll find that in the same issue, we un answered every single point. This is where I came up with this nice prism and uh, uh, explaining what is principal component uh, we split into the wavelength to explain. Because you say, you can't get ex um, exact formula only from three cycle. I said, no, you can't. Because it doesn't matter where you put white light. If you have a prism, you still have the rainbow on the other side. So if you use, <laughs> so does, we, we try uh, apply this principal component on a single cycle, on combination of two cycles in any, and three cycles, and we get the same eigenvalues all the time. Mm, okay, so that makes <clears throat> that makes good sense. So, Dr. Zarkova, this is uh, this is absolutely amazing stuff that you have here, and I, I am uh, I am absolutely uh, honored. That you were on the show here. It, it gave some understanding, catching oh, man. up what yeah. it is. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I mean, I, I understand it better than I did with all the stuff I've read, and in in the context that you put the stuff in during the show is going to help me understand quite a bit of the other stuff that I've been reading, and and okay. so I'm I'm definitely going to be able to have a have a definitely a, a better a better thing. But but like you said, you know, we've got a we got a front seat to history over the next. 10 years and what that's going to look like and and uh it will be interesting to watch how the theories of global warming change over the next 10 years um especially with i mean the data that you laid out there all the stuff absolutely fluctuate or absolutely happened the way um historical data showed based on your yes. on your stuff so i mean it you know, it all lined up. Everything, if it if it was that far off and that wrong, yes, and this thing else, you would have had a hockey stick someplace, right? It had been just a, it had been a, a curve that that you wouldn't have seen before. So, this um, is what Sun's shown us. This is not what we invented. Mm -hmm. Now they more and more inclined. More people now putting that. All right, their dipole waves and their two layers. They start putting. They forget to mention refer to our papers i need to remind them yeah five years later but it takes a while obviously it takes a while to digest it so we yeah. were pioneers we go through and now say oh we knew this everything we knew this in advance we knew this five years ago as well i said why mm. didn't you say well it's a question <laughs> <laughs> right exactly exactly right well so we will see but yeah. at least um, in addition to global warming we have something Sun is on our side. It gives us time. I, I believe it will give us time to recuperate yep. and have this re temperature reduced will allow us to evaluate what is happening and prepare mm. for it. Right on. Well, Sean, do you have anything else you want to add? Have you ever done any work, Dr. Sokova, with uh, the relation with sea surface temperatures um, at all with the oceans? Um, uh, and 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 I, haven't. I only um, use someone else's work, but since we published uh, the papers, people voluntarily send me the papers uh, presentations. So sure, I'm now much more aware of what people do. So if I even don't do, but I know what other people do because I have all the presentation. I'm in contact. It become much more popular than you might think. Yeah. The only thing that. They try to suppress 
those people who walk about anthropogenic global warming, they try to suppress even idea that the sun will reduce the temperature. Right. This uh, is why it is so difficult. People know the sun will reduce the temperature. Sun knows, but they reject well, I can tell you that NASA used to put out all kinds of work 30, 40 years ago about how important the sun was to the climate. And then all of a sudden, the last 20 years, they say it's not a, it's, it's not a factor, but they used to always say it was a factor. So, exactly. and, so it, uh-huh. it's very interesting. It appeared in, this, in NASA stuff uh, list and putting this uh, nonsense forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know we didn't talk about the uh, the CO two angle on this particular uh, interview, but um, uh, your what you talked about yesterday on the CO two and, and why it really can, uh, uh, that would be a fun conversation to have. Uh, or, yeah. or, or we can you know, discuss it in the next. Um round of uh, interviews i think that would be a great great set uh, okay i think that would be a great discussion uh now that we have a really good understanding of sun and how it works and and, and how you've been able to predict and all but to go over the the co2 aspect of it and and why it, it really can't be what everyone says is that would be really i think an outstanding uh second uh yeah. program I'm, I'm happy to look through materials of all my friends and um, compare. We also did some work. Um, we got independently again with this summary curve. We calculated backwards yeah. to one hundred to one hundred twenty thousand years, and we discovered some oscillations of the baseline, which we linked to this uh, climate variation. But we will discuss it in later. But I want to say that with this uh, ground solar minimum and the a beating effect with what we approaching, we understood that the sun will live long enough, live, given the whole humankind four and a half billion years, because its heartbeat yeah. is pretty stable. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what we have in sun is not stochastic; it's very well defined. It produces these um, nice waves as it yeah. should be. Its heartbeat is perfect. Yeah. The only problem is we have beating effect because we don't have engineer who can feed the sun and feed these beads. So right. this is what we have. It gives you good reassurance that, yes. okay, we, we have enough years and then who knows, we can go to another Milky Way by that time in four and a half billion years. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll be around four and a half billion years from now, but that's just my guess. <laughs> <laughs> But if okay. you have, if, but if you can figure out how to live four and a half billion years, if you can let uh, Casey and I know, yeah. uh, we'd be very interested. <laughs> yeah. I hope to live for another twenty years. That's the minimum. Yeah. I'm not that ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's. I'm, I'm. I'm good, Casey. I think that was a really good program. Okay. Really, really good program. So great. Okay. Dr. Zokova, thank you so much for for being on the podcast, and uh, hope you and your family have a great, great Merry Christmas, and uh, enjoy thank the uh, enjoy the London Christmas. Cheers. Okay. Right. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Cheers. That is a wrap for the Dr. Valentina Zarkova podcast uh, interview, and I want to say special thanks to Sean Hackett for for being a part of that, and an even bigger thanks to Dr. Zarkova for agreeing to come on and. And talk about her findings and and uh, the research she's been doing. A lot of great information there, as you did here. We we hinted to uh, a possible third 
and maybe even a fourth interview with Dr. Zarkovic um, talking about uh, a few other outliers out there that, that uh, could have have effect on on what we see happening as well, um, CO2 mainly being one of those things. So looking forward to that. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, Casey Seymour, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also uh, check out my website. That's movingironllc.com. This is where you'll find all the editions of the Moving Iron podcast as well as all of my blog posts from the Moving Iron uh, blog. If you want to learn more about the Moving Iron Podcast contributors, check out the Moving Iron Podcast tab and look at the market and podcast contributors. You'll see pictures of them and as well as uh, their backgrounds. And there is a Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 15th through the 17th. You'll be able to find all the information on the Moving Iron LLC website. This is where you can book rooms. You can see who's speaking, what the agenda looks like. You can also register for the event, too. It's a great event. You don't want to miss it. There can be plenty of information there. Great networking opportunity for you and your dealership. So, so I'd highly recommend that you check that out. If you have any questions, you can send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. Also check out Rich Possum. He has a Critical Point podcast on Podbean. And uh, it's all about the economy, what's happening out there with the market. So uh, if you want to go out and find that, Go to Podbean and look up Critical Point Podcast, and uh, Rich Possum will be there. And you can find him on Twitter at Rich underscore Possum, and Possum is P-O-S-S-O-N. So that's Rich underscore Possum on Twitter. Last to listen to the Dryland Farmer Podcast, Brent and Landon will uh, keep you entertained and make you laugh throughout the day. So any chance you get to listen to those guys, uh, listen to the Dryland Farmer Podcast, I highly recommend it. So until next time, I'm Casey Seymour with Dr. Valentina Zarkova and Sean Hackett. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful, competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. Moving higher in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher In the 21st century 
Find us here Move